What's up, everyone? It is Fancy Ramen, episode 100, or maybe 101, depending on how things go. Uh, I guess you could say celebratory 2019 podcast episode amongst our regular programming. Insert generic kids cheering here. Yay! I'm Neil. I'm Cookie. And I am the voice of the excited children for Fancy Ramen 2019. Scott, welcome to the New Year, New Year's boys. It's been about six days, apparently. Approximately, yes. Any New Year's resolutions you guys have uh, succeeded or failed at already? Uh, my one New Year's resolution was to not get a new hobby. And as my wife has clearly pointed out, I started painting shoes recently. Uh-oh. Uh, took me approximately two days to break that new year's resolution how does one paint shoes carefully good answer but but, do you you wear the shoes afterwards i'm planning on it i'll go show you they're bright as fuck i'm wondering what kind of paint he uses very good for an audio podcast yeah i'm wondering like if the (laughs) if the paint has to be something specific to adhere to the material in a way that when it bends and stuff that the paint conforms yeah (coughs) Okay, so we're seeing the shoes now. Yeah, you're showing us like neon green and what looks like pink at points. Am I wrong? It's pink. actually That's... like a Barney purple. Okay. Purple, yeah. It's, um, they're going to be my Incredible Hulks. So uh, one sh- they were old Skechers, relaxed fit shoes, my brown ones that I used to wear all the time. I painted them with Angela's paint, like gave all the leather a white base. And then started painting them these neon colors. And so there'll be um, green. There'll be like Hulk green, Barney purple, and black. And they're going to be bright as fuck. What makes Angela's paint different from any other paint? Yeah. Um, They actually are acrylic paints that are meant to adhere to leather. And they also Mm. stretch really nicely. So like normal acrylic paint would crack Not and bend that, like that's this. exactly what i was asking scott about uh while we were while you were while off. you were away yeah huh interesting they are very bright they look almost uh fluorescent from they are our perspective they are very fluorescent like just the smallest amount of light gives these shoes away but so the, you'll take those to your most, uh, sorry for yawning into the mic, you'll take those to your next rave, and uh, I assume they will glow? Yes, very much so. And the reason I decided to paint these first was because I think like two episodes ago or something, I got showed you guys my um, nice black shoes, and I also got like a pair of like super crisp white shoes. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, just going in and attempting to learn how to paint on the shoes that are going to be like the new shoes Mm -hmm. i'd start with something that the shoes that i was planning on repairing because replacing because the soles on these are still good nah that's that's almost that's poking the inside of the shoe now looks fine to me there's no hole (laughs) no hole yet but we got about like two microns before there is well, hopefully you uh, asked Angela if you could use her paint before you did this, but... Nope. But it's okay, because she is now getting free promotion <laughs> on this all-audio <laughs> medium. What else have you been doing this week, Cookie? Playing video games. 
Oh, that's good. That's on brand. We're doing yeah. we're doing solid for 2019 so oh, far. And I also decided to get back to my roots of anime, and I'm actually rewatching Cowboy Bebop. How depressing! What? De- what depressing? Wh- why is Cowboy Bebop depressing? It's not darker than black. That was depressing. The ending is just depressing to me, I guess, because like, do we have to get into details? It's it's the story Whoa. of someone that cannot let go of the past. With a lot okay. of really good filler. Mm-hmm. No, I guess that makes sense. It's been a while since I've actually like really thought about the ending. I just got to the episode where Ed got introduced, so I'm pretty still fresh. Yeah, it's still happy go lucky, and then, and then when things become, because I mean, I mean, really, like it. It's not that it's bad. It's just it's true that Cowboy Bebop is a a series about filler, lots of filler, and the 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 principal storyline is basically about spike and uh julia right and why he needs to let go of the past and he has every reason to let go of the past but he is not going to Mm -hmm. because his past keeps catching up with him we've already been introduced to vicious but we have so many opportunities or, or spike does that he could just let it go but he can't he can't let it go and that's what makes it depressing for me makes sense but who could really let go of their past who would choose Faye over Julia? Well, most sane people, I think, would. I would choose Julia over Faye. Oh, see? You shouldn't pick dead people, Cookie. I think this is why you're in the minority. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they call that necrophilia. Mm-hmm. They do. What is, what is know, the whole hitch? She's supposed to be dead, but she turns out... Cowboy Bebop spoilers, anyone that yeah, hasn't no, seen it. Yeah. Sorry, everybody who has uh, been out of the loop from this uh, 1990s anime. 1998. Yeah. It's been 21 years then. Yeah. There was there was a scene, actually, where Faye walks in on two dudes um, fucking. Mm-hmm. Oh, seriously? When she's, when she's looking for... Um, it's the episode that they introduce Vicious, where she's looking for the uh, mob boss. And she's like, let on a wild goose chase, and she ends up barging in on two dudes. And she's like, where's whatever his name is? And they're like, oh. I was like, oh, that's very progressive for 1998. I think they have like a character as well that shows up that's like, I don't want to say non-binary, but yeah, transgender, I think. And they also handled that, I think, relatively well, if I remember correctly. And lots of immortal type people, because... Julia, she's not dead, but she's also not an immortal, but Faye is basically immortal. Well, it's not that she's immortal. I thought she just she went just, through like a cold got, sleep. Yeah, cryoed. Oh, that's what happened to her. Yeah, she got yeah. cryoed, but the little kid, he was immortal until he got shot in the head. Oh, that's right. Man, what a good show. Um, I know, it, right? You haven't seen it already, it's not too late because people are still watching it 20-something years later. And if you haven't it's, seen it already, I would also recommend we've Samurai spoiled Shampoo. Everything. Shampoo. Yeah. Oh, that's on my list as well that I should probably watch. I actually hold that in higher regard than uh, Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop. Bebop at this point. I think I would agree on that. I'm, I'm more of an outlaw star person than Cowboy Bebop. Mm. But Cowboy Bebop just happened to show up on my Hulu feed first. Well, so. What makes what makes Samurai Shampoo great, just to keep this real short, is uh, the more hip-hop. like ancillary knowledge. Yes, the hip hop is all already cool, <laughs> uh, but like that's, the more that's it. random 
Japanese historic knowledge you have, the funnier it is, too. Mm-hmm. I could see that. But and no. it, it, like, generally educates you on some of those things. I mean, like, the baseball episode is sort of a very uh, different take on what the actual trade, like, trade war and dispute was between the <laughs> United States and Japan. But, but I does, like the Samurai Champloo take better. I do also like the Samurai Champloo take of the baseball. But it also does explain why it does like have that filling in of, oh yeah, Japanese people fucking love baseball. Hell yeah. yeah. That's thanks to us because we came over and let them kick our ass at it. And now they're hooked. because they cheated with that damn dog. <laughs> we, we're, we're the country of Air Bud. We only invented steroids so we could beat the Japanese at baseball, so. Yep. So, I guess, I have a question then. Mm -hmm. So, you hold Samurai Shampoo in, like, a higher regard. Um, But what's your guys, um, like, top anime not produced in the last three years? Oh, fuck. That's a hell of a question. So I'm going uh-huh. like not something that's like super duper. You don't even have to like super duper old, but I don't want something from like the last couple of seasons. Man, that's quite the question. So the best anime not made within the last couple of years. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, man. It's like asking what your favorite food is. Man, I got asked what my favorite video game of all time was hanging out with some friends just this week. And I was kind of dumbstruck. I didn't know what to say. Um, I was like, I have these general categories that things fit. What's your favorite franchise of video game then? uh, Franchises between Metroid and uh, Dark Souls. I'm glad you could answer that so quickly. Yeah, but well, because I thought about it, and I thought maybe Dark Souls is my favorite game because I could play that like piece of junk for the rest of my life and still have a ton of fun. Um, but it, on the anime uh, setup, I I am uncertain because I'll give an answer, and in about a week, I'll realize that that was totally not correct. <laughs> Uh, a recommendation I think that's it's at least more than three years old that I think I can watch over and over again that I'd go back to in the same vein as like Samurai Champloo and Cowboy Bebop that it's like I wouldn't say those two are infinitely rewatchable but I do like going back and watching those anime every once in a while to just remember the good old times soak up that nostalgia maybe share it with a friend I think Nietzsche Joe has some of the funniest gags and jokes that I could uh, watch that probably a dozen times per episode. Oh, God. That was great. Man, that show cracks me up. I still like joke and reference about that with uh, people in the know. Wow, that's 10 years old. Yeah. I don't know, Cookie. I can get back to you on what my favorite is. I think it's Neil's turn. He's had enough time to stall. No, because because like, uh, what He's what's doomed. going on in my head right now is how does duration of a show affect its overall quality? Um, the longer something goes, question. normally the more the quality, uh, I think, starts to deteriorate. Well, in my have opinion. you seen One Piece? Have you seen One Piece? It just got better with time. <laughs> no, I can't believe that. <laughs> oh man, the new episodes are just 
fucking nuts. So we're almost to the end. Let me explain because, my stance here. Like, oh yes, I could say I could say that like a show like uh, oh gosh, um, a show that was short in qu- uh, in uh, quantity like Blend S or as far as I've gotten in Psyche, for instance. Uh, I guess that's on the longer side. There are 48 episodes so far. Uh, but like, so Blend S is 12 episodes. I really enjoyed that show. I had a lot of fun watching it. And um, as a result, like there's not a whole lot of downtime when I think about that series. But when I think about Gintama and how there are like hundreds of episodes and because it's not always serious, it's like there's a lot of comedy filled throughout that series like it's a it's a really good upside being able to go back to that and i haven't even scratched like i i'm not even that deep into kintama i think i'm like maybe 60 episodes in but i can constantly go back to that for like the nonsensical slice of life and bizarre humor not like i'm saying those two things are different from each other uh, in in their case like they have a hot pot episode they have a crab hot pot episode or a crab pot episode um so there, I see value in like a long series because you can constantly go back and basically watch episodes that even if you're watching them religiously, it's been so long since you've seen, so it feels fresher. And I, I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of anime that I loved as a kid that did not age that well. Like uh, the original Macross, or as we would know it, Robotech, uh, the first major season or however many seasons, the first arc of that uh, I love that show as a kid, and then I go back to it now, and it's not great. Um, likewise, I, rem- I remember thinking Code Geass was awesome, and uh, I don't know if I would appreciate it as much if I went back to it now. I don't think you would, because I've Lelouch seen it at least of the somewhat. Rebellion? Yeah. That one? That You're yeah. talking Code Geass, Lelouch of the Rebellion, specifically, right? Yeah, not because there's a new the movie ones. coming out soon. Um, Man... That'd be like watching Death Note again. You can really appreciate season one, but after that, everything just goes to shit. Yeah. So I think I've actually found my answer because it's technically, like, I don't know. I think it it technically will work for the series, even though it's currently active. Uh, My allegiance to it definitely starts, like, at the very beginning, and that is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I think it is honestly the ultimate anime series. Oh, you're right. That's a they good s- one. They still they're still making JoJo. Yeah, Dude, yeah. Part, oh, part wait, five no, is out, me. and it's JoJo. one of my favorite. I was thinking JoJo, 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 JoJo. Sorry, no, no. Bo, 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 bo. Oh, yeah, because they're so similar. Man, people got some ASMR right there for a second from <laughs> Neil and I's simultaneous bo, bo, bos. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I also have Bizarre a new adventure. One. Is is my vote. And I'm confident on that one. What was yours, Neil? I, I do have a new one or a, a new answer that I think I can stand beside because I've watched the film a handful of times. Oh shit! When I think about films in general, that opens up the Ghibli gate, the Ghibli gate too. Ghibli gate. Are we talking about films? Or are we talking? I mean, well, I guess it it's does anime count films. So it's got to be Perfect Blue or Paprika. No, I, I was going to say Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, I go Kiki's Delivery Service. Lame. Ouch. (laughs) I'm sorry. I love Kiki. Okay, okay, so because I think Ghibli is kind of the ultimate, not only cop-out 
not not necessarily cop out, but it's just like it's the Disney. Yeah, how do you argue it, against Ghibli? Uh, it is Disney. I think no, it's the it's the classic, right? Is what we're saying is like there. It's hard to compete with the uh, tour de force that is just the. No, I think I guess Disney owns catalog of Ghibli. I think Disney owns them. They own the distributing rights in America for them. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, okay, that that sounds a lot better. If that if we better. ignore Ghibli, then my answer would be Royal Space Force: The Wings of Oniamis, or something like that. I don't know if this that's is fully pronounced. just a long enough name that I want that I'm very curious. It's it's basically alternate world and the space race between Russia and America. Alternate world though, so the countries are different, the technology is also different, but it's about this dude that uh um is like the backup pilot to a terrible space program, like a horrible space program. Is it and, a slingshot? <laughs> well, I mean, how bad are we talking? Uh, and I, I don't remember everything. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it, but I've seen it maybe three or four times with years spaced out in between each. And every time I've enjoyed it, um, it is an older film, 1987 from this, at least according to Wikipedia. But the, the guy ends up finding, uh, well, he ends up finding like a, a woman and the woman introduces him to faith or religion. And as he starts to like, as he gets put into a situation where it starts to look more and more realistic that this horrible space program is actually might send him up into space. Uh, he also starts to embrace the idea of religion or, or a God. And I mean, I, I guess what I would say is like, granted the Yuri, uh, what, whatever the heck his name is, uh, Yuri Scott, you know, this. Oh, nice. Yuri Gagarin. Yeah, the Yuri Gagarin quote that is oftentimes misconstrued as being one of a uh, like as an atheistic oh, quote. Yeah, uh, where I it's like you know there is about. no God up here or something. Yeah, I, th- it's like this I, movie, I see no God up here is the is yeah. the uh, quote that gets tossed around a bunch. Exactly. Like I, I'm not saying this this film perpetuates it, but this film does a different take on it. Like, what if someone what like what would the mess what would the most inspiring message be if someone made it to space that couldn't be twisted out of context like Yuri's quote often mm-hmm. or constantly is so it, i'm looking for okay there we go I it's found it. it's uh i think it's very specific like it it fills a very specific niche with me i guess that i don't think a lot of other people would necessarily enjoy but i enjoyed it a lot a whole lot. Thank you I for say. your recommendations. These are things I'm going to go watch now because I don't have an answer for you. I know I asked the question. <laughs> ah, so that that's how you cop out here. Yeah, that's what you get to do as the moderator is back out on your turn. All right. Well, anything else, Cookie? Yeah, just Cowboy Bebop and playing video games. Oh, and looking over my shoulder as Lizzie watches Terrace House. Oh, mm. yes. We talked about this before. <laughs> Have we? Yeah, okay, the Japanese sweet. real world. This that show is great. Yeah, Lizzie's very pissed because it ends real abruptly on Netflix. Is there another place she can get her fix? What season is she on? Two with the black guy. Uh, is that in Hawaii? I have no idea. I've only been glancing over my shoulder as she watches it. But there's a black guy on it, and they're also a professional skateboarder. Heck yeah. Uh, I I don't know where I uh, I didn't finish 
the first season or what we know as the first season because technically terrace house is is a continuation of people moving in and out yeah terrace house is a continuation of a series that was pre-established before netflix picked up the rights to it Mm. oh and also i think we should all do a let's play watch of bandersnatch what the hell is bandersnatch does benedict cumberbatch have a new uh video game yes oh an actual let's watch i thought it was a game it is a game what is it yeah a game <laughs> kind of it's a choose your own adventure game mm, okay Movie. all right all i'm seeing is is this related to black mirror yeah it's the black mirror new black mirror thing huh basically it's a so i watched kind of lizzie play it so basically it's a netflix choose your own adventure thing so during the actual movie it'll give you a choice and depending on what you pick the character will then go about doing that choice and depending on what you choose changes the outcome i want to say there are like five true endings and a butt ton of um dead end endings where they make you rechoose the choice because obviously you've either killed your character or you've chosen wrong uh, it's very topical that we're talking about this uh, because I have a similar thing to talk about when we talk about video games. Uh, yeah, I'm cool. down to do this. How how do you choose? Is it actually prompts that show up on Netflix's like player? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. So basically, the entire t- when I looked over, Lizzie was the thing said, "Always keep your PlayStation controller because it knew she was on a PlayStation controller in hand because you'll be given a, a series of choices, and depending on your choice, like." I know one of the things, like, when she first got it, for minor spoilers, it's about the creation of, like, RPGs as we know it, kind of. Mm. And basically this kid started developing this RPG and he was going to, he's being picked up by a publishing company. And, like, one of the early choices that he gets is, hey, you can either, we want you to develop this game, we want to back it. You can come work in our office. We'll have a small team. We'll have a small development team just dedicated to you and your game. And Lizzie chose yes. And the game came out. It got zero out of zero stars. It was a rush product. And then Success. it brought her back to that back to that exact question of, hey, hey, yeah, we want you to develop this game. You can either go with our small development team and make this game, and we can really put it out there and do it big. Or you can continue working on it on your own, but we do have a tight deadline that you have to st- stick with. Mm. So obviously a yes got you a zero out of zero stars for the game that you're putting out. But that DLC so, uh, like pass and just your pre-order sales essentially like set you up, right? You're good to yeah. go. <laughs> I think I found the right path. But yeah, so Bandersnatch. It's Netflix's uh, new choose-your-own-adventure novel game. This is much cooler than the Bird Box Challenge because I don't want to do anything blindfolded. Have you ever played with a shitty VR headset? You're doing everything blindfolded. (laughs) (laughs) I have the least experience on it then. Um, Sweet. Well, if that's that's what you've been up to... um, That, That is... Tra- trawling around Hulu with your free time. Uh, I, too, have spent a bunch of time on Hulu because Atlanta Season 2 came out. Oh, shit. That is... I have been seeing things and I've oh, been like... 
sitting on that. It's so good. Um, and I, I really loved the first season of Atlanta. I, I, I like this second season even better. Um, oh, I know what a, what a hype thing to say, but I wanted to take it nice and slow and just like watch an episode a night and just kind of like work through it so I could sit and think about an episode and kind of mull it over and enjoy it afterward. I binged that thing in like two days. I was gonna say it sounds more you talk the more it sounds like you've already finished. Yeah, I I I um watched the first episode before bed the other night, and then I had a bunch of like chores to do the next day. And since I'm still here with Yuri and very immobile, I just burned through pretty much all of Atlanta season two. So I have one question. Yes, for minor spoilers. Mm-hmm. Are they back from the European tour? Or are they still on tour? Uh. The episode ends with a cliff, or the last episode ends with a cliffhanger about the European tour. Wait, that was season two? Shit. The never mind. I've already seen that. I've already, already seen, seen season, season two. Okay, yeah. I'm so late, I'm waiting. For I'm late three. to the game because I don't have okay. access to uh, FXX. Yeah, or FX Go. I FX anywhere. I don't FX think now. I do. Maybe gonna, I need to get that. I'm going to subscribe to DC Unlimited pretty soon. For bad DC films? Oh, okay. Young Justice Season 3 just started. For Aquaman, the biggest blockbuster hit this month. I still need to see that. I don't know if you do. But Johnny Tsunami. And you do you. Whatever I works. Will. I will do me. Neil, what have you been up to? Just more anime, Psyche K, a few other things. I sold the Jeep. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Congratulations for being able to sell it, not <laughs> <laughs> having to give it lo- away for scrap. Lose it, <laughs> lose it to theft. <laughs> yeah. Didn't drive it into the ground. Uh, so. Oh, I'm so sorry. I should have used my time to. Uh, update you because this is this was your primary curiosity uh on last week's episode about the use of a bidet and now that i have successfully installed and operated my new luxury item in my uh bathroom i can tell you the 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 principle the concept of a bidet is not to give yourself cold water like forceful enema well, right. I knew that much. Right. <laughs> it turns out though that you can if you're not <laughs> if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> and um, now all I have is Scott's pasty white. Hey, hey! Don't think about it. <laughs> it, it. But like you, you do have to figure out like the right pressure because if it's yes, too soft, there's do. no point to doing it. Absolutely. Uh, the difficulty is is um, I'm working with a dial system. And so the dial system is essentially a pressure release to the water flow. And it turns out that there is a definite, like it's not a simple linear uh, relationship. The more you open it up almost exponentially, the higher the water pressure gets. And so there is a like very fine line between uh, like a good, comfortable sanitary practice and being launched from your seat <laughs> by the water pressure beneath you. So and I'm still trying to figure it out. So with your dial system, is it a dial system on the actual 
seat itself or are you like having to fiddle with the thing at the back of the toilet? It is on the seat itself. And I okay, was just sweet. overzealous on <laughs> on the first approach. <laughs> oh man. But it, it, yeah, so I, I installed that last night and I've I've uh since been, learned your lesson. Yeah, and I, I've been learning my lesson. Um but I thought you'd want to know, Neil, since you were it was your uh topic of interest last time we spoke. That it was. So I'm glad your ass is cleaner now. Very clean. I I would say <laughs> I'm I'm about as clean as can be. A little too clean now, if you ask me. Yeah. So yeah, Neil, you've been watching anime. <laughs> yeah, anime. Uh more psyche K. That's about it. Um got back to work. Uh, I have to deal with new car stuff as always. Out of state mm-hmm. car stuff, I mean. And so, so did you get a new vehicle exactly? Yeah, yeah I got a hand-me-down from Colorado, so I, I need to take it to the sheriffs for an inspection and a few other things before I can get a title on it. Are they worried that you're smuggling drugs? Uh, yes. Are you worried that you're smuggling drugs? Yeah. I, I did ask I guess, my sister beforehand. I was like, this car is clean, right, Noe? Right? <laughs> so, so it's literally a thing you have to do if you buy a vehicle yeah. from Colorado? Or any state. Or just out of state. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. Cool. I did not know that either. Because it's not like you have enough time to, you know, chop shop the shit out of your car, get all the drugs out, and then give it to the sheriff. And that's only for purchase <laughs> then, right? Because when I registered my vehicle moving out of state, I had zero issue whatsoever with having to get an, an inspection on it. I, and it might vary state by state, too. That's true. Montana doesn't even, like, there are very few things that we have rules for. We're a lax place. Yep, because of all those cults. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the firearms normally keep some, like, semblance of law and order around here. <laughs> um. So, Neil, are you watching Psyche K dubbed or subbed? Uh, subbed. That makes sense. That's the only thing that kept me away from season two. Because mm-hmm. I started it dubbed, and I, and I just don't want to read the uh oh god what was i gonna say oh right Whoa. the animation studio used for the second for the second season uh has some noticeable differences between the two or between the first season but i think overall it it, it translates relatively well from one to the other like differences in a good way or are they bad differences um well the characters are all a little longer and taller if that makes sense uh the line detail is a little better but then like the coloring and animation's a little rougher like i, I think it's a a fairly even trade-off it's just different not so much better or worse different but the same different but the same quality maybe you could say that yeah different but equal yep um yeah that that about details my non-game related talk this week or ends i should say well let's dive right into it then yeah neil you mentioned something to tie in with bandersnatch yeah speaking of choices and bad endings and good endings uh Tiff and I, over the course of, I think it was just the last week, it could be that we had some days beforehand too, uh, but it, we, we started it after we got back from uh, Colorado for sure. We uh, dumped 40 hours into the Nonary Games Virtue's Last Reward, which is a sequel to 
nine hours, nine doors, nine persons, or whatever the correct order of those three things are. The game's not perfect. I'm just going to say that immediately, and especially because Tiffany's in the room with me as I as we record this. But I was going to say I had a freaking fantastic time playing Virtue's Last Reward, like mm-hmm. phenomenal. Uh, on the same level of enjoyment, I'd say that I got from the Danganronpa games. Uh, and I I wanted to talk a bit about what made this such an interesting experience, and like what what was so fresh and rewarding about this game so 999 is a little different from most most of your visual novels in that it ends up justifying the reason why anyone would want to play down different branches of a story i've talked about this game a bit before that it like the game follows what they call a notary game which that particular game goes around the use of digital root uh, the digital root number of nine. Yes, Cookie? I've played this before. Oh, have you? Have you beaten it? No, I got about halfway through on the Vita. Wow. I was like, you know, Zero Escape, that sounds super fucking familiar. So I just pulled up a quick walkthrough and I was like, oh shit, yeah, I have played this before. Virtue's last last reward, reward, holy cow, specifically, VLR? Oh, is there... Are there different ones? Yeah, there are three games. There's Zero Escape, 999. There are Nine Doors, Nine Hours, Nine Whatever. Uh, Zero Escape, Virtue's Last Reward, which is the second game. And then the third game is Zero Time Dilemma or something like that. Well, now I've got to find out. Now I've got to find out. But so in 999, you play the murder game, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it all revolves around getting through doors uh, using each of the characters numbered one through nine their digital route basically meaning that you can only get through doors uh by combining the right set of characters together and then the question comes down to well who is ultimately going to get through the nine door if not everyone can get through that sort of thing um Mm -hmm. so that that was an interesting uh an interesting i guess you could say like plot mechanic or gimmick or whatever you want to say or whatever you want to call it and uh zlr or VLR, excuse me, the gimmick is a little different. You go through puzzles uh, that are like puzzle rooms, just like the other game. So it's kind of like es- escape the room puzzles that were popular in Flash form, you know, a couple decades ago, uh, but expanded upon greatly, of course. There's a, a select number of puzzles in each room that you have to kind of master or figure out before you can actually escape. And then you have a secondary puzzle in each room, which usually gives you files that lead to more insight behind the mystery of the game. Like, you know, who could have abducted you? Why is the game being held? Because the first game was held with a specific reason and so forth. The catch with uh, VLR is that after you finish each of the puzzles, you end up going into a room and basically play uh, The Prisoner's Dilemma against another person or another pair meaning that you can both ally which means you both get points or you can both betray which means no one gets points and or if one ally person and betray yeah if if someone betrays someone allies the betrayer gets three points and the other person loses two points i'll get to the point totals here in a second but um the resulting in essentially a a, a lot of branching paths 
if you think about the game starting with three possible doors you can enter, and then you have the ability to ally or betray each of the people that would be associated to those doors, and then Mm -hmm. going on from that branch further, you have even more door options and more options to ally and betray, making the story branch even further out. This game has a lot more endings and possibilities than 999 had. Now, one of the principal twists, kind of getting into spoiler, spoiler-ish detail here, or uh, but I'm not actually going to talk about the story itself, but one of the catches or twists in 999 is that you as a player actually have to go through different branches so you can retain knowledge yourself, which is justified in the storyline, to actually mm-hmm. beat the game and get the quote-unquote true ending. This game takes that a step further and instead has you going down multiple branches, getting information you need, then jumping to another route and using that information you have there to unlock puzzles or you know, decode, decode uh, decryptions, that sort of thing, and possibly even jumping back to other various puzzles or uh, puzzles, routes, and back and forth in some cases. Uh, which that's that's like an that is a really well made mechanic that justifies playing a visual novel in more of like a completionist approach because that would otherwise not be something that would I guess really like it's not that it wouldn't make sense but not everyone necessarily wants to go through each branch and learn each thing. Mm-hmm. And in sometimes you just want the old guy to lose in the prisoner's dilemma and move forward, right? Yeah, exactly. And in nine nine nine, you don't actually have to get all the endings to get the true ending. You really need to just do two of the six endings, I think. Mm. Um, mm. Now, in Virtue's last is reward, it a specific? Just out of curiosity, is it a specific two of the six that you need? Yes, it is two, like a specific two, because you get information regarding who did what mm. and then you the other ending gives you the combination to open something up that needs to be opened okay sorry uh, back to virtue's last reward no you're good um I, i'm trying not to tread into the spoiler deta- uh, the spoilers but what really got me wasn't so much the mechanic that's that's just a nice refreshing take on the genre because Again, it allows more actual gameplay and interaction with the game as opposed to just reading. Mm-hmm. But the twists behind the game, I thought, were pretty fantastic. Or I, I should say, like, there are a bunch of twists in this game, and some of them you kind of, I think, are intentionally pushed to to suspect and believe before it actually reveals itself. So there are some maybe like fake twists or twists that aren't really that much a twist, so much as just a con- confirmation of your suspicions. But some of the critical plot twists in that game feel so good, and like I, I yeah, I, I wish I could just spoil it, spoil spoil excuse me it all now, but I I don't want to go that far. No, but it's it's killer. I I think I think it's worth giving it a shot if you guys want to play visual novels. And it's a DS game. Uh, it's a relatively recent DS game. Uh, a relatively old PS4 game. The dates might be a little strange because it's been re-released multiple times. Mm, okay. So let's see here. Well, I don't use my DS almost ever anymore, so... Why do you still have a DS? Nintendo said throw those in the trash. I know they did. 
uh, and yet more games are still being that there's only yeah. one play to one way to play the uh ace attorney games and i think that is on the ds yeah there's no switch uh switch option for those there certainly wasn't any uh wii u or, or previous console tech that supports it so oh i stand corrected According to a Objection. September 22nd, 2018 article from Polygon, Ace Attorney, uh, the Ace Attorney trilogy will be released in early 2019 for the Switch. Mm. Well, also that, for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Wow. This would have been great news for me, and I would have been very interested to play it had it came out with uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Not Ultimate Alliance, excuse me. Marvel vs. Capcom 3 when you could play and use him. And then they came out with Marvel Infinite and he just became a victim. I don't know where I was going with that. I Ignore me. didn't realize Ace Attorney was a Capcom uh, IP. It is a Capcom IP. I, he's one of my favorite people to fight with on Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah, I kind of assumed it was Nintendo, I guess, but it makes sense since he's in that game, huh? Mm-hmm. Dude! There was a crossover between Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright? What? Aside from that, I finished Suikoden last week, and I'm playing Suikoden 2 on stream now. Mm-hmm. You can find that at twitch.tv slash fancy ramen TV Sundays at 8 a.m. Central Time. Oh, so that's what you're doing in the mornings now. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to um your guys' playthrough of Universal Europa? Oh, uh, EU4 is on hiatus currently, but we will return to it in due time. It's been uh, quite a few months since we did that. It has been quite a bit of time. Uh, Cookie Scott, what have you guys been playing? I think we've both been playing Moonlighter. Yeah. Yes, we have. It's a much funner version of that one game I said I was really liking. What game was that? Something. I've already forgotten what it was called. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I already forgot what it was called. Are you talking about Mana Spark or? Yeah, Mana Spark. Boom, there we go. Nah, just been enjoying Moonlighter a lot more. It's a lot faster pace and a little little more forgiving than Mana Spark. Yeah, I'd say so. Which it, I'm really enjoying. It kind of needs that, I think. The combat feels just a little clunky at times. Um, just the reach and the uh, like speed of weapon attacks seems to be relatively variable at moments. Um, yeah, it's hard to know exactly what you're going to be able to do in a moment-to-moment basis, which means the dodge roll has to be somewhat forgiving because sometimes you'll think you can kill an enemy, which if they have map-based effects, uh, for the most part, I think those map-based effects disappear, um, or I guess terrain effects disappear upon their death. And well, so no, he's he's Scott's talking about Moonlighter now, right? Yes, I'm talking about Moonlighter. I haven't oh, okay. played Mana Spark. But um, in Moonlighter, because you can always count on your weapon to attack as fast as it did the last time or to uh, necessarily like hit in the same, uh, I guess, rhythm or pace, I'll find myself going to engage some enemies that kind of have a high health bar but also in, like have terrain impacts that I try and essentially get them 100 to 0 as quick as possible so I can eliminate that terrain like debuff or damage and sometimes i'll go in and i'll stab with a spear three times in quick su- succession and i'll be good before a projectile 
hits me from behind from a different enemy. And other times I'll go in and I'll stab twice. And then the third one won't really go off in time. And I've got a dodge roll away from the projectile. So I know that it feeling. Is, yeah, it is nice that it's forgiving. It's also weird when it comes to dodge rolling. Uh, dodge rolling over gaps, you can essentially walk up to a gap and you don't just slip through. There's like a bit of a sticky terrain element where you don't immediately fall down the hole. That's gotten me killed twice. Yeah. Uh, Trying to escape because I'm like, oh, I know there's a secret passage down here. I am dying. There's poison every fucking where. Mm-hmm. Let me just fall into this hole, but it's only one square, so I'm not going to be able to successfully dodge roll into the square. Yeah, and so you're stuck standing on the outside before you fall just, into the hole. Yeah. And now I'm dead. Um, it's useful for that, but when it comes to later uh, terrain impacts, like that poison or the other one I've encountered is lava, um, I can't tell exactly where you start, like where you want to start your dodge roll at because it's short enough for some of these lava bits that... I think I will be like right at the edge of it and then I will roll. And these are things that don't have the sticky terrain effect. And yeah, and then I'm on fire as soon as I hit the other end of the roll. And when I've tried other timings, I've ended up being on fire before I start the roll and then rolling out. So it's really difficult to know uh, if you can clear the gap or not. And if the roll was slightly larger in its distance coverage or the invincibility window was slightly more forgiving. It would, I guess it would make the combat pretty easy in some ways, but I do feel like I take some cheap damage at times from it. I also learned how to cheat the system. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that the empty chests that you find on the third level send everything back. What? I did not know that either. So yeah, if you... um. So for those who have not played this game, you um you go through a dungeon and there are three levels to the dungeon before you have to fight the main boss of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. As you're going, you'll notice as you're going, there's a uh, sparkly bits that allow you to fall, fall to into the, bottom the abyss floor. to either get to like extra loot, a uh, challenge room with special chests. On the third floor, there is always one room that I'll have a chest that's already open. Mm-hmm. That chest sends everything you send back, sent, put into that chest, back to your shop. Uh, I did not know that. And I just keep rolling down, seeing the empty chest and going, let's well, suck. And then climbing right back out. Yeah. One of these times I was like, you know, I really don't need this item. And I'll just put it in the chest. I'll just put it in the chest. Then the chest fucking disappears, shows me a picture of the home, and I'm like, fuck oh. me. Man, I've thrown away a lot of good good product. A lot of good product ignoring those chests. That is now I've got too much product. A very helpful hint. Yeah, you'll have to expand your storefront. I I just expanded it to the uh second one, so I have four. The second one didn't give me more spaces. It just gave me the two extras, the case. Yeah, it gives you the two cases. Um, Which isn't enough. Wow, that you're collecting more than I am, I think, then. I'm normally going out, doing a single outing, and then running a shop day, outing shop day in a sequence. So I had the unfortunate thing of selling not a lot of stuff one of my shop days. Uh Uh-huh. And then I went out again anyway. And then you have a big backlog? And then I had a huge fucking backlog. Uh, 
so now it's like it's about halfway through my shop days now that I am having to run into the back of the store, grab more shit. (laughs) So, Cookie, it sounds like from uh, you talking about poison issues, you are in the second dungeon out of the, uh, I guess, four or five. Out of the five dungeons, out of the five keys needed, yes, I am in the second dungeon. I think you only need four keys to get to the fifth dungeon. To the fifth door, Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if that's going to be a dungeon or just a boss fight or what, but that means that you um, will have you uh, fought the boss of the second dungeon yet. I have not fought the boss of the second dungeon purely because I've been greedy with my shop. Hence why I don't have any, hence why I have such an inventory space problem. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, avoid spoiling anything about bosses in particular but i will say the thing that i've really enjoyed about this game the fact that the dungeons take a while to slog through it's multiple visits it's going to take for you to really get to the boss's floor i don't think i could have um even if i tried gotten to and beaten say the golem boss at the beginning um in my first or second run like i needed a couple i needed to upgrade my weapons there's sort of a prerequisite to do some of the like mercantile work before you really get to a point where tackling the boss of the dungeon or the guardian is a super feasible strategy, except for um, only the most hardcore being able to do it. And these boss fights are refreshingly distinct from one another, which is really nice. Since there are only four, um, they're designed to be uh, quite different in how you engage in them from boss to boss. With the Golem, uh, which we have both played, and isn't a huge... Uh, like As long as I spoil one boss, I feel like the others are going to be enough of a pleasant surprise that it's not a big deal for us to do so. But the Golem is essentially a fight in which the golem's restricting your terrain in some ways, and you've just got to dodge a couple of like big Q attacks that you get a lot of lead-up time for. There's a punch that uh, essentially extends out across the screen, and then you just have to dodge roll under it or block it as it sweeps across, uh, I think, two times at maximum. There are There is falling rubble that restricts your space normally during this punch segment, And then when the floor is clear, there's normally like a pounding attack where a fist kind of chases you around the map and you get to see the shadow before it falls. So it's a lot of just staying out of the way of danger and leveling a bunch of damage on an immobile target that is the golem. In the following fights, uh, and I guess any tool really works for that. Uh, I think the melee weapons, like not counting the bow, all the melee weapons work just fine for this because... You can stand right next to the boss and there's not a huge like threat of damage if you know where the next attack is coming from. In the following boss fights, I think the selection of weapon is actually really useful um, in determining like what boss is weak to what type of damage. Like, Do you need a melee weapon with a lot of reach for a certain boss? Or do you need a weapon that has range so you can uh, track a more mobile boss across the arena? Um, 
it's an it's a nice thing that they've kept all of these very separate, but it also means that you have to spend even more time in the dungeon upgrading your weapons so you have a good weapon that's effective for these different types of boss fights. You mean I can't just use sword and shield for all of these? You Fuck. can use sword and shield, but it's going to be harder, I think, as you progress forward. I think the sword and shield is definitely the best all-around option because you have that defensiveness and the sword has an okay range. But I found myself very particular to the spear and using that a bunch. And I think I've encountered now uh, situations in which the bow and arrow, although it's a weaker damage output, could really come in handy in uh, some fights and like maneuvering around some uh, generated dungeon stages. Does the... So... Do any of the other weapons... I've only used the spear, I guess, in the form of the broom. Mm-hmm. I used the bow and arrow and the sword and shields, mm-hmm. and I tried the fist. Does the big sword have a sweeping arc? Because I know the, does. the spear, from what I remember, didn't have those diagonals. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason I stick with the sword and shields, mainly. Because that's how you can stay out of damage from enemies. Because there's still causing damage primarily on a uh like up down left right grid format and not if it's not a projectile then enemy damage like you can stand in the corner of an enemy i guess like diagonally from them and hit them at a diagonal angle uh you can do that with the big sword as well actually it has essentially like a hero slash function for its special move where you do a spinning attack that can that normally strikes twice and then knocks enemies back away from you. Sweet. That's what I'm switching to then. It also makes your character movement slower. And so I've gone for the min-max approach that uh, our all Dark Souls players inherently love by getting the light cloth armor that lets me move faster and then um, the giant-ass sword that reduces my movement speed. So I can move at a regular speed and do a lot of high damage without very much armor at all. Makes sense, because who fucking uses the shield with the sword and shield anyway? I don't know. Um, which dungeon are you in? I am in the third dungeon fighting the boss actually right now. It was one of the reasons I was a little late to record is Moonlighter is such a good game that uh, I sometimes get a little hooked and lose track of time. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to. I'll have to catch up because your one statement before about not feasibly being able to go into the dungeon and beat and it on your first try it once. Yeah, is totally accurate. And I love the fact that at least I'm not sure what the third dungeon says, but mm-hmm. if you read the signs on each one, the first dungeon literally says Golem Dungeon, okay for merchants and heroes. Mm-hmm. The second dungeon says Forest Dungeon. Not advised for merchant. Okay for heroes. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. The lava one says heroes only. And the next one probably says beware. (laughs) So do you feel more and more like a hero the further you get? Because I feel more like a hero. I feel like a a heroic merchant, honestly, because I'm so good at uh, making money. Uh, yeah, no, you definitely like there is, uh, the game has it really built in that you feel your progression very, um, viscerally if you return to the other dungeons because you just start to pub stomp the smaller monsters. Um, but each dungeon that you move into, if you're not 
really up to par on the highest level of equipment for, I say, armor or weapons, you're going to have a... It is it is very difficult. Um, I think there is definitely an expectation that in some of these dungeon setups, they have some really hard layouts that you're kind of expected to take some damage on or get whittled down from. And so if you don't have upgraded armor or you don't have uh, a high enough damage output with your weapons... You're just going to get swarmed and, you know, kind of torn apart before you can essentially kill all the enemies and, you know, refuel with a health potion or return to that, like, healing spring. So, yeah, you definitely start to feel more and more heroic. Um, And it's cool to see the town kind of come to life as you progress further and further. Your shop gets bigger naturally because you're bringing in higher price items and uh, there's more things to do around the town business-wise. Uh, it's really cool. I, I like the mechanic a lot, and it's a very fun game, and I hope to have it completed soon because I don't have much else that I'm really itching to play. I want to play some more RimWorld, but that can wait. And so I want to really finish Moonlighter maybe before the next podcast. I'll race you. Okay, challenge, challenge is on. Gave you a little bit of a head start, and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I'll keep mine kind of short. I've been playing a lot of Moonlighter at work and at home. Oh, you're playing it on the Switch too, uh, which I should say. How do you like it for the Switch? I mean, if you were to play this on a different setup, do you think that would uh, be better or worse than what you currently have? Worse, because I wouldn't beat it. Because if it wasn't on the Switch, it wouldn't get played. Yeah. I have recently decided I want to, and I'm putting this on hiatus now, Mm -hmm. I want to get back into Monster Hunter World uh, just due to the fact that Super Smash Bros. has um, brought me back into that need as I just defeated Arathlos the other day. And for those who don't know, that's um, that's one of the big dragon monster things that's both a boss i guess in super smash bros ultimate and one of a major hunt in monster hunter world now that i think about it we have i mean we have dlc fighters coming down the pipeline for uh the newest smash brothers what are your thoughts about monster hunter some sort of generic monster hunter being a character um i feel like because the Rathalos was in there, as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, they have to have a Monster Hunter character in the DLC lineup. Weirdly enough, won't be the first game that a Monster Hunter is a playable character. Monster Hunter was actually in Marvel vs. Capcom. Mm, okay. The last one. So I didn't get to play much of her, but the little that I did play, I really enjoyed. But um, that would be fun. But it would be too standard now now that i know we're getting piranha plant and joker Mm -hmm. i don't want something that's going to be very standard i want these weird ass fucking characters to come yeah i would have never thought persona 5's joker would be a monster hunter uh monster hunter uh smash smash character character. i totally agree i'm 100 percent with you i just feel like some people may really like this monster hunter edition if it happens because i'm convinced that it would be a very technical fighter and you'd be using a lot of like item or equipment base similar to uh, Link or Simon 
or like Richter, these very, uh, I guess, like utility heavy fighters. I guess Mega Man kind of counts as a utility character too in that. And the ultimate utility character, Snake. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Snake is the best utility character. So much fun. So much fun. But um, no, yeah, that would be also be pretty fun. And one of the reasons I also want to say that I need to beat you, race you to Moonlighter, so that way I can finish it mm-hmm. before fucking January twenty ninth. So you can have completed a game in the in the first month of the year. Or well, so I could have completed the game before I completely fall off the earth to Kingdom Hearts three. Oh yeah, that's right. You still think it's because that's a real game. It's it's coming, goddammit. But besides besides that, I've been um min maxing my time of uh Call of Duty mm-hmm. Blackout Four, as much as the community is now starting to hate the game mm-hmm. just due to the fact that it's um uh, it's microtrans microtransactions. Mm-hmm. There's a um some really scathing articles about how one of the things that you could buy for real world money was a open red dot reticle so literally just a red dot that's got it's a circle a right hole yeah yeah just a circle i like this very very small circle because then you can line up the you can line up the headshot in the circle and you see the face that's all surprised looking at you like how could you betray me cookie pretty much but it's a dollar so people are very pissed and i'm not really caring because i figure if someone wants to pay a dollar for a circle let them mm-hmm. sure it's it's kind of um, people are more ang- less angry about the fact that they're charging a dollar for a circle and more angry at the fact that they've got the audacity to charge a dollar for a circle. Right, when it's something they could just add. Do you think that certain people play better with a circle, an open red dot reticle? I crosshair? totally believe it. Um, I, for my recon scope... I do like a circle reticle better. That's like a very small, tight circle. Mm-hmm. But they've got one already in place. This one's like specifically for the reflex site. But for a reflex, I don't think I really need a circle because I'm not zooming in that much. But if you think people would do better with that specific gun having that crosshair instead, wouldn't that make it potentially pay to win? I could see where your argument's coming from. But I'm going to say it's going to be such a negligible difference because I want to say there probably already is like a slightly bigger circle, a more useful circle. This one's quite literally, if you like Google it, it's quite literally a, it's pretty much just the red dot, the size of the red dot with a pinhole that you can kind of see through Mm. via the images I've seen of it. But I don't know if anyone necessarily thinks that the crosshair is a pay to win gimmick at that point i think the bigger issue though is that they're starting to trend or that may imply that they're trending towards that possibility though i could i could see that but all the other reticles that they've charged for have kind of been pay to lose reticles like you can buy a mustache reticle that's just it's kind of basically a line reticle but it just gets in my way Mm -hmm. i just need a normal red dot that's colored bright purple because you can color them for free for free but i could see that argument as well but yeah i've been min maxing my time with that because i really want the the gun that requires you to play so many hours of 
game, but they give you, if you do a certain amount or a certain thing, they give you a free tier instead of you having to play for 30 minutes to an hour. So I've been min-maxing my, okay, I can get a free tier today, right now, and I'll also just do an extra thing, so that way if I miss a day, it's good. I need 14 days. I mean, I need um, to get up four tiers, so that way when I go to PAX, I don't have to bring the PlayStation to keep grinding that out and do it comfortably with just playing a match or two a day and still being good. If you still had a Vita, you could leave your PlayStation for on at home and play that way that also works on the pc did you know that with a uh with the vita mm-hmm. really uh not with the vita so instead of connecting your vita to your playstation 4 you can connect your laptop to your playstation 4 both require very very good fucking internet or it yeah yeah very good internet yeah because you Which... have to stream the image quality the image in a way that is also as low a latency as possible. Yep, so basically something that I don't ever expect anyone to actually have successfully really done while traveling at a hotel. But who says you have to be good at the game to get those hours in, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could be those people. Those are the people I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) That guy who... It's like, come on, man. You selected not Team Deathmatch, but the capture the flag mode, but you're not actually helping. There was one guy who was um, basically to make sure that they were able to get in. I guess they had like a rubber band on their thing to like allow them to shoot their gun up in the air and spin around in circles. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, didn't stop me from jumping into their bullets several times so they get kicked. (laughs) Because I play hardcore. And I'm like... I'm playing this hardcore mode. I really do want to win. And you're not helping. As a matter of fact, you're actually feeding the other team now at this point, score streaks, and that's hurting us even more. Right. So I will just spend the next few seconds jumping into your bullets to get you kicked. Because that's an opposite way to grief. Holy shit. I'm going to become the greatest griefer alive. (laughs) (laughs) busted man yeah that way you can you can do it without getting kicked you can get your entire team kicked by just jumping into their i've never even thought about it this way oh the possibilities the possibilities that's what i've been doing do we get any mail did you check your spam folder neil yep we did not okay because everybody knows their mail's now going to spam they're gonna stop (laughs) emailing (laughs) uh did you play anything else scott uh no, that's about it that I've played. I spent my other free time snowboarding this week. Um, I hit a jump and landed it, and so now I'm a freestyler. Yeah, I'm super cool, and I fell on my butt really hard all the other times, so I don't want to talk about those. It's okay. You don't have any facial scars, and that's all that matters. I'm I just, hit a jump once, yeah. too, on a snowboard. I'm just missing SSX. Uh, I really wish they'd bring that game back because it's much harder to do in real life. It's okay. You could just play Steep. Oh, that's true. I, but That's free for PlayStation Plus this month, I think. Or it was free last month, and you might have missed it. I mean, if I'm in a wingsuit, I might as well do it in real life then. I don't, I don't think you get the implications that it are that is wingsuiting, Scott. You can <laughs> die. 
Game over. Well, there's only one small bit of news uh, that I felt the need to bring up. And it's a bit oh. of old news as well. This was published back in December 30th, 2018. I'll uh, go so ahead and link it. What's that? So 2018. Yeah, did I say 2018 or 19? You did say 2018, and I'm oh, thinking okay. that was like a year ago, Neil. So I just linked it in the Discord chat. But uh, there is a URL that is now active, and that would be p5r.jp. So there March 2018, something's happening? Yep. It's uh, Persona 5 or P5R. No one has details on it yet. Lots of speculation, though. It could I be... I mean, it's not a remake, right? <laughs> well, it could be uh, a expansion, kind of like how Persona 3 had Festival or Fess, and Persona yeah. 5 had Gold, Golden for Golden Week. Oh, that's yeah. got to be it, right? Yeah. That's I the mean, R. R... They could be fulfilling my dream and making another fucking fighting game. Oh, that's true. What do you think VR would stand for? P5 rematch. Oh, shit. That's good, actually. Yeah. That is really good, because what was the um, Persona 4 fighting called? Ultimax? Oh, no, no. It was Persona 4 Arena. 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 And then Arena yeah. Ultimax. Persona 5 rematch is uh, a pretty good name. I've got some inside info, so... Now, that said, if it turned out to be a fighting game, I'd be disappointed, to be honest. Oh, if it turned okay. out to be a fighting game, I'd be super fucking stoked. Yeah, Arena I, was awesome. That was the only way I got through Persona 4. I'm not saying it's uh, <laughs> it's not awesome. I'm just saying that I would love to see like the Redux version of Persona 5, much like 3 and 4 had. It seems like it's so quick, though. It's only been a year. It's only been two years, technically. We Oh, shit. Yeah, That's we right. had that delay, so... Oh, oh. So, so basically what's happening is you guys are going to be drooling over this thing for a year before it actually comes out. What you was Persona it. Q? Persona Q was a weird mix mash on the DS that like had, I think, Persona 3 and Persona 4 characters interacting in like randomly generated dungeons or something like that. Cool. That's what they're redoing. That's, that's what they're giving you, Neil. QRS. Oh, that's right. Persona Q, Persona 5R is next. And then Persona 6S. I mean, there's Persona Q2 that is that exact thing. Persona that... QAnon was my personal favorite. <laughs> um, but yeah, the hope is, regardless of what it is, the if it is like the Redux version, that the localization wouldn't take as long since it's not like they have to relocalize and retranslate the entire game. Right, there's a lot less content to do it with. What's Shinigami Tensei up to? Uh, we're still waiting on their Switch title, which would likely be... I think they're calling that Shinigami Tensei... Oh, God. What is it going to be called for the Switch? I don't know. I've completely forgot about that joke, that gag I had. Oh, they're calling it 5, there. of course. Oh, so just Shinigami Tensei 5? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since 4 was when you were dressed up as samurai guys with the blue outfits uh, on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. These are like actual games. And they actually came out with a trailer for that back in uh, 2017 that I did not even realize existed. There I am, bringing you, bringing you the latest news on your favorite Weeaboo um, things. It really looks like they basically just pulled the Persona 5 engine, which makes perfect sense. Why not use that again for another title? 
Uh, yeah. Did you see how brilliant those games were? They looked pretty damn good. Anyway, I think that cops, caps it off for this episode of Fancy Ramen. I'm Neil. I'm Cookie. And I'm Scott. Emails can be sent to podcast at fancyramen.com. We promise we'll read them. And don't be afraid to uh, at least attempt to leave a review on the uh, iTunes app, iTunes podcast, Apple Podcasts. I still check that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Still and not we- enough. We tell our dear friends about you, dear listener. And so why don't you go ahead and reciprocate and do the same? <laughs> All right. Have, I'm cookie. Yeah. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.